There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Today's episode has been sponsored by Jay McLaughlin. Jay McLaughlin is a timeless lifestyle brand with incredible style and a spirit of connection. I am obsessed with Jay McLaughlin and have been so honored that they are sponsoring my Zibiverse tour. It just so happens that the tour goes to so many communities and areas of the country that have Jay McLaughlin stores. And I love that the brand is philanthropic through Jay McLaughlin's local and loyal programming host store events to give back to organizations that are meaningful to Jay McLaughlin's local communities. I also love the fact that the clothes are just so chic. They make me feel polished and modern. And the best part is that most of the line comes in fabrics that don't wrinkle. I especially love the dresses, the cashmere sweaters, the other sweaters. You'll see them all over my Instagram. I typically tag at Jay McLaughlin. And so you can check it out. It is absolutely one of my favorite brands and I am over the moon excited to be working with them. In fact, I want to share the love with all of you. Jay McLaughlin is giving 20% off new customers and listeners of my podcast with special code ZIBBY20, capital Z-I-B-B-Y 20. That's 20% off for new customers and listeners of the podcast with special code capital Z Zibby 20. Take advantage of it today. My favorites are this white open long cashmere sweater that I've been wearing on every flight that I've taken on this tour. I have a blue with light blue horizontal striped sweater, several dresses I even wore on Corny America. Check it out. Jay McLaughlin. Thanks so much. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast that you're listening to right now, thank you so much, called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. It is a daily podcast, 365 days a year, and each day we talk to an author about all of the things related to their career, their book, their life, and more in 30 minutes or less, because who has time? I am now an author myself, although I wasn't when I started this podcast, and you can get my new memoir, Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, wherever books are sold starting July 1st, and my children's book, Princess Charming. You can learn more about me at zibbyowens.com, but really, you're here to learn more about the authors, and that is what we're going to do. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts in the Zcast Podcast Network. You can learn more at zcastnetwork.com and definitely check out those shows as well. Amy Fusselman is the author of The Means, a novel. 
Amy is the author of five books. Her latest, The Means, is her first novel. Her previous four books were all nonfiction, have been translated into several languages. Her work has been nominated for the Believer Book Award and the University of Iowa's Krauss Essay Prize. Her essays and articles have appeared in the New York Times, The Atlantic, The Washington Post, McSweeney's Internet Tendency, Ms. Art News, Artnet, and many others. She lives in New York City with her family and teaches creative writing at New York University. Welcome, Amy. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss The Beans, your novel. Yay. Thanks for having me. <laughs> really happy. Your book was so funny and smart and just hilarious. And I like chuckled out loud over and over and over again. And it's just so funny. I mean, your sense of humor is so great. At, I, anyway, I totally enjoyed it. It was super enjoyable. Awesome. Why don't you tell listeners what The Beans is about? Sure. Yeah, The Means is a tragicomic novel about a woman named Shelly Means, and um, she's a stay-at-home mom in Manhattan. She has two kids, and she's managing all her household stuff, and uh, she gets this sort of bee in her bonnet, this kind of obsession that she really wants respite from her life. She wants to chill, and for her, that means lying next to her pool at a beach house in the Hamptons, and so... She's married to a guy named George, who's a voiceover artist, whose um, career is kind of on the downswing because he can't properly voice uh, a chicken bacon detonator. <laughs> and so Shelly is actually, she's she finds someone who can build a beach house for her for inexpensively on this little plot of land they managed to buy in the springs. And the beach house is going to be out of shipping containers and um, the housing association is up in arms about it. And so the whole book is basically the shenanigans of this woman who's trying in a really pretty subversive and intelligent way to get what she wants. Um, it's also, I mean, thematically it's, you know, it, it's very comic. It goes down easy, but it's also about the suffering inherent in desire capitalist delusion, misogyny, and it's comic. So I'm, it, it, it goes wide. It goes wide. It goes fast, but it goes wide. Yes. Comet, comedy with a purpose, right? With a message. Um, there were just so many funny lines about how she feels about her own life. She is always referring to all of the things on her plate with this aggrieved nature. Like I, I have all these things and I have to add to my workload and okay, well I am a stay at home, but I also make lunch for Clementine. And I also like, I, I do this too. And I, I also have to walk Twix and you know, her, her diminished time that she spends with Darby, the dog walker means that she has to take this on more and more. And everything she adds to her plate just seems like, so uh, hard to overcome, right? It's so, she's so aggrieved. So I loved how you did that. Like she and her childhood and her own relationship with money and how she views herself now. I don't know. It's, it's very, it was so interesting. So tell me, tell me about crafting her as a character because she's so multi-layered and then the conversations she has with the dog. I mean, anyway, so how did you, how did you come up with her? Yeah. Well, I, I like that you, are picking up on that thread because I did want to, I mean, I feel like Shelly was an interesting character to make because I knew from the get-go that she's someone who's not generally portrayed as sympathetic. Like I wanted to take a view into money through a portal that I hadn't seen or read about. Whereas, you know, 
her kids are in private school in Manhattan. I mean, although they're on financial aid, they're in private school. You know, she lives near FIT, like in the sort of down market part of Chelsea, but she's a stay at home mom. You know, she has a ponytail and these kids. And um, I think generally the way to write about, you know, that kind of wealth in Manhattan is disdainfully. And I really wanted a way into her that was about mothering and about caregiving and about that work. And even, I mean, I feel like the title of your podcast really is pushing against some a similar thing of like, moms don't have time to do anything, but you know, their mom work, like moms don't have time for leisure. Mom don't, don't have time for pleasure. And I love actually that you named the, like the fact that this podcast exists is your response to that. And for Shelly Means, in some ways, you know, it's a similar thing. Like she gets this beach house. I mean, spoiler alert, she gets this thing built, you know, by hook or by crook, like it happens for her because she's you know, she's determined and she's uh, smart. And I, I think she's just really interesting. Um, she was an interesting way in for me to to write about these elements of money that I was interested in exploring. Uh, it seemed many times that this house was not going to be made in any way. And I think one of the themes is you have to have money to make money, right? I think that's sort of where it all like comes. And, and then there's this whole other thread where, you know, towards the end where they're like, well, have you ever been in serious debt? Because once you are, then you can't get out of that. And if you were like, if your family was like that as a child, and then here she is sort of like taking the land and then like finding other opportunities, which also were so funny to make money that way too. And it just all seemed so unlikely. Like it just, it seemed like it was not going to work out. And, and yet once she did it, then it just could lead to better things. Whereas her poor husband is like driving in the car and he's like, oh no, they didn't choose me for this ad. And when he hears the voiceover. So I, I feel like it is some sort of commentary on, you know, where do you start? Like, do you start in a, in a place where you have the opportunity to really rise up or do you not? Are you doomed from the beginning? It feels like that's being examined in part as well. Yeah. I mean, I was, I wanted to sort of, I really was interested in writing every scene to like locate where the money is in the scene. Mm-hmm. Where's, where are the resources? Because I think that happens, you know, in real life, it's like, who has what, who, you know, who's offering what, who's preying on who, like, I mean, it's kind of a, it's not a, you know, a rose tinted uh, view, but it's, it's interesting to me, especially because I feel like the money in that sense isn't often explored, especially for women in fiction. So Shelley, in some ways, is operating in like a shadow economy because it's still, I mean, I cringe even saying this, but like the idea that is a woman entitled to her partner's income is, you know, still a question. And um, the idea of like, is stay-at-home mom like real work? I mean, caregivers in this country are notoriously, it was just in the Times yesterday, another feature on this, like underpaid and undervalued. And that's all part of, you know, what I wanted to examine in a system that I feel needs reevaluation, like stat, because it involves women's lives. It involves, um, and how, you know, caregiving is, huge it's one of the, it's it's how we treat each other it's how we live it's i mean it needs to be acknowledged and uh supported in my view 
Yes, absolutely. I mean, if you hire a caregiver to do, let's say you go to work and you have to hire someone to do the caregiving, like that person, that does have value. Like that's an actual job. So if you decide to stay home, it's not like you're not doing a job. I mean, you're just doing the job of some, like that would be your job. (laughs) You're just not getting paid for it. Yeah. I mean, it's for women, even I I added these elements to Shelly's character because I knew that that would be you know, part of the why she's contemptible in some ways. It's like she has a dog walker. She has a cleaning lady. Like, oh, how dare, you know, how dare she? But and yet I feel like she she's a sympathetic character. You she's she doesn't view herself. She's an underdog and she's an underdog through the whole book. So to play with those expectations was part of the pleasure in the writing of this for me. You even have the time where she gets a party planner and you're like, if that, she's like, if that's not the height of wealth, like what is, I have somebody to help me plan my parties in my house. You know? <laughs> right. Well, I think that's it too, is that she has a lot of people who are sort of preying on her at the same time that she's, yeah. you know, she has a therapist who's also yes. then becomes her real estate broker, which is, you know, highly like unethical. Yeah. And I mean, everybody is sort of out for a take. I mean, that's part of the landscape. Yeah. You have that one moment where when she when George has just lost his next gig and he thinks any opportunity to make more money and she's like, We're gonna have to sell this land. And there's just this silence between them as they realize, like, how am I gonna keep paying for this CBT? And then she's like, But wait, <laughs> you know. Yeah, always about wait. There's always about wait. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So where did you come up with the idea for the whole book in general? I know we talked about Shelley, but I was researching your other books and this seems like a pretty big departure from some of the other ones. I didn't read them, although they look great. Now I'm like, I have to go back because I love the way you write. But where did this come from? Yeah. Well, I um, I wanted to try writing a novel. That was like step one. <laughs> so, uh, and I knew I wanted to write something comic and I also knew I wanted to write about money. So that was like the three the three things I was trying to hit. And so I do have a shipping container beach house in the Hamptons. And no way. <laughs> yeah, I can tell you that, yeah, my experience was not like Shelley's, but I could see that, uh, you know, through a different lens, it could become comic. So I took what I knew about the landscape and about that process and, you know, made it a completely different thing, but that's, I mean, I'm, it's grounded in my experience in that landscape for sure. Is your house yeah. in the Springs? Yes, it is in the Springs, <laughs> springs with the shitty cell phone service. Yeah. I know, that was a bad out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, cell phone service is pretty bad everywhere out there, but that's great. So what was it like then tackling this project and maybe go back and tell me like, how did you even get started as an author and how did all your projects build? And maybe like a quick thing about each of your but. Sure. Yeah, I I went to college. I got a degree in poetry. Uh, I've always, that was my first love was that sort of exploration of, you know, consciousness, sensory experience, you know, the eye of experience has always been interesting to me. And so I wrote these nonfiction books that are, that are not nonfiction in the sense of like, my name's Amy and I scaled Mount Everest. You know, they're not really heroic about my life more. They're more like a a poet sort of um, perspective, like here's what I see, here's what I experience. And I've tackled sort of different topics, a lot of, you know, about motherhood because I am, I have three kids. I'm sober, you know, I'm, uh, 
I, I was sexually abused as a kid. I mean, I've written about all that stuff. My third book was called is called Savage Park, and it's about a playground in Tokyo that I got pretty involved in. It's an adventure playground, which we now have on Governor's Island. We have one of those. But so I've I'm really interested in, you know, in mothering and art making and creativity. Yeah, women's issues, children, all of that. That's my wheelhouse. And now uh, fiction and money. (laughs) (laughs) How old are your kids? My um, my my oldest is a junior in college. My second kid just started college this fall, and my youngest is a freshman in high school. So yeah, it's weird. It's weird. Like I think your kids need you in a different way when they are teens. You know, they need you so intensely when they're small in a way that's like so physical. Like you have to be present. You know, you have to watch as that they don't scoot into the intersection, you know, but they need you in, in, in high school and college. Also, it's just, you know, in a, they need your, they need your presence in a different way. Yes. I have two 15 year olds. Um, oh man, you're yeah. in the thick of it. And I also have a nine year old and an almost eight year old. So we have, we run the gamut of yeah, emotions. We do. Need- Look at that. <laughs> awesome. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds at Mint Mobile. We like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com <laughs> But I also loved your portrayal of, of Jack and Clementine. Jack, right? Not Jake, Jack. Yeah. And you know, my son is applying out to boarding schools for high school now, so we're like deep in the test prep and you're like all of that with you know his applications and wanting your kids to be motivated and all of that and ultimately that they're not their behavior is not anything you can control and their preferences like like the black room or whatever (laughs) like you just don't know what they're going to come out of their mouths yeah yeah one of the I mean I feel like this you know I'm lucky to write and um to have you know I learn from my writing. And this book that I wrote about Japan really informed like a lot of how I deal with my kids because they have this thing at this adventure playground called the play worker. And this is a playground in Japan where the children play with like open fires. Like that's not a hyperbole. 
So the play worker's job is to um, like witness and facilitate, but not to interfere. And it's so like, there's a lot of pressure. I mean, I grew up in the Midwest. There's a lot of pressure in this town to, you know, have achieving high achieving children and to be high achieving yourself, of course. But I learned so much about just watching and responding to what is rather than bulldozing in and directing from that work. And I, and I, I feel like, you know, parenting is so humbling anyway, but um, it takes a lot of, you know, you can't control other people. It's just the bottom line and it's a painful lesson to learn. Yes. (laughs) Very true. Yes. Lots to fight against there. Always trying. Always trying. Well, I will not give up, but. (laughs) No, No, I mean, you you have to, you have to uh, row the boat. That's just your, your job. Yeah. So. When you think about the means and sort of the message about money or wealth that you're trying to put out into the world, like if it, if there's like a thesis statement behind it or what you really want people to know or believe or see because of this book, like what would that be? Well, I think how Shelley is, um, I mean, she's, she's someone who's sort of deep in, in capitalist delusion. Like she believes that she can make this happen But in the, you know, again, spoiler alert, like in the end, what happens is that she's taken out of sort of the shadow economy of being a stay at home mom and she gets a quote real job. You know, that's her prize. Like you don't actually get your beach house because you're having to rent it out for porn films, you know, (laughs) and you get a job like, (laughs) yay. So, I mean, I guess I really it's not a book that I wanted to, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't tell you how to feel and it doesn't, you know, spoon feed you in that sense. But I wanted it, I wanted it to raise questions about, you know, mothering as legit work, about wanting, about materialism, about, um, you know, there's a lot of, about the landscape of the Hamptons is insane. And I mean, as all, I mean, as it all, you know, the, the land itself is stolen. I mean, we're, that's that's where we're at you know that's that should just be like a naked fact that we're dealing with all the time all over i appreciated that bit of history too on the shinnecock reservation and where montauk and all of that came from if you're like <laughs> yeah like that you're like it's like that place where they say it's ocean view but it's really not ocean view. <laughs> exactly it's partial ocean right <laughs> yeah well i don't know there's so much anti-wealth sentiment right now. I uh, literally on my way to school to drop my kids at school this morning, this car had a huge bumper sticker that from the Marines that said, you know, fight the rich, not their wars or something. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, so that's where we are. Right. (laughs) Like what, is that fair? Like, what do you think? What would Shelly think about that? What, What do you think about that? I think that, I mean, that was part of what, why, this book isn't set in, you know, like the projects or whatever. I wanted it to be really a liminal space. I wanted it to be, well, I'm not, you know, to raise questions like, wow, I'm not sure about this. Like, this is some seemingly someone I would hate. Like, what? But she seems to be, you know, beset with some of the struggles that are relatable to me. Like, what does that mean? What, you know, it's not it's not clear cut. I mean, we're all working within a system that I think most people acknowledge needs some powerful change. You know, how does that affect everyday interactions of, you know, invisible 
people who aren't heroic, who are kind of invisible, you know, moms being one, what's that actually look like? How do I contribute to this? What are the things I can do? Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. I mean, but, <laughs> but the joy of the book is it goes down funny. So it does. It, no, oh, it's so fun. great. It's, yeah. <laughs> so so great. Uh, yeah, I, I feel happy about that. No, the book is great. I loved the book. It's, it's fast paced and entertaining and you just, you know, some of the scenes where she's throwing things and she's like, oh no, I did it again. You know, I'm like, what is going on with her? Why is she all yeah. of a sudden? You know, she seems like she has it all together and yet you show all of her cracks, which are so obvious, right? But yeah, you don't even see them coming. But she's in a rage. Shelly's yeah. in a rage and rightly so. You know, she's contemptible. You know, she feels it. She's um her work's on a knowledge. You know, she's trying to negotiate these systems that are bananas, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, God bless her. Yeah, she's throwing shit. She got kicked off the PTA. Yeah. <laughs> so what kind of feedback are you getting since this book has been out? Like where, like, tell me about that. Well, I'm not, I mean, I'm not somebody who's like Googling my reviews all the time or so I can only like on tour and yeah, know. I mean, I, yeah, I'm trying to show up and, um, it's become, I feel like it became increasingly clear that I did need to talk more about what, that it's more than a funny book. Yeah. That it's, there's more going on there. I'm grateful that people are finding it funny because that, you know, again, it's not easy to write funny. And that yeah. was one of my primary goals. So that people find it funny is a super win. I'm very, I'm very happy about that. But I also wanted it to, to start talking about the fact that it goes, it goes a little deeper than that. Yeah. I'm grateful, you know, for whatever, again, with the not being able to control people. Like, yeah. <laughs> people take from the book what they will. And there's really not a lot I can do about that. But I did want to start just talking about like, yeah, these are other elements, you know, other facets of it that I crafted. So it's important. And so what are you working on now? Ooh, well, I'm about to leave tomorrow for the fabulous Texas Book Fest. And then I have a reading in Chicago and a couple like college things. Um, so that's, that will be fun, I hope. Yeehaw. <laughs> <laughs> And um, yeah, I'm working on another novel because why not, you know, so keep going. Yeah. Moms don't have time to write novels. Yeah. Right. <laughs> how long did this one take? Like how long does a book typically take you or I know well, they're all this, different, but yeah, probably took the longest just because I was, you know, not, I didn't know what I was. And, um, I'm, I had, uh, you know, I worked pretty closely with my agent, Monica Woods, who I, whose input I'm grateful for and who I really enjoy working with. So to prepare the book and to, you know, I was also not, some of my previous stuff has been pretty experimental and I wasn't interested in playing with form in this at all. Like it had a, a, a you know, a big enough burden to just be comic and to be about money. You know, I didn't want to throw anything else at a reader like, oh, it's going to be have weird line breaks. Like, no. So just to give it a, you know, a solid structure to give it a beginning, middle and end, you know, all that stuff was enough of a challenge for me. So <laughs> it took, it took about three years really. Yeah. Wow. 
I hope I can introduce you at some point. We So I started a publishing company also called Zibby Books. Yes, congratulations. Yes. That's you. so amazing. She- yeah, Shelly and I bow down. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. But one of the books we acquired that's coming out in 2024 is also set in East Hampton. And okay. it has this a similar, something kind of similar in the in the observational nature of the craziness there. And it's called, I want you more, but it ends up being a little bit of a thriller, but anyway, the author is Swan Huntley and she's amazing. So anyway, I feel like you guys would have some really interesting conversations and um, on the beach. Yeah. Meet on the beach for a walk or something. (laughs) What advice would you have for aspiring authors? Ooh, that's so good. I mean, I do, I teach at NYU, but that's not, it's about, that's about crafting more than about, I mean, the publishing, I love that you, I mean, I could talk to you for a long time about your publishing company. I just, I think it's always good to have more uh, venues and more women. It's good. So for, I guess the thing that I've been thinking about lately is that there's so many different ways to be a writer. Like, I don't participate, like I'm going to the Texas Book Fest, which is the second, it's really, this is the only book fest I've been to, I think. And this is the second time I'll be going there. But a lot of um, writers who've, you know, written five books as I have, like participate in what I think of as like the writing economy. Like they, um, they go to book fest, they teach at colleges, they speak at colleges, like all those things are, you know, their income and that's how they make it work. They're kind of like, they're a little bit, I think, kind of like traveling salesmen. In a, I don't say that in a derogatory way. It's just like they have their product and they go out there with it. And that's, it's awesome. It's That's never been um, a way that was open to me because of my kids and um, my choices. So it, I guess for a long time, I felt like there was something wrong with me that I couldn't do that, you know, that I, and I feel like that's, there's so many ways to be a writer if you just write, you know, <laughs> you don't have to be at every festival or teaching or doing anything except writing and trying to find a way to be published. And even, you know, I mean, I think of Louise Bourgeois, like lived 16 blocks from me and raised three kids. So I think about her a lot. She was also in technical terms, a stay at home mom. So like, I think about her a lot and she would say that she was grateful for the, you know, the art the critics that really gave her like, I think a decade or two of basically ignoring her, you know, so to just write and that's what makes you a writer. You're to, there's a zillion ways to, you know, dance with the industry. Like don't be to, don't be discouraged if you're not doing the primary way. I like that. I know any events I have, I have to schedule around my, my custody schedule. And I'm like, hold on, I have to check and I can't switch this day. And of course. Yeah. Cause you're juggling, you're spinning the plates. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But I love to make time for it all. Zibby. I think that's awesome. Well, you too. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't start a publishing company or a podcast, but I appreciate it. No problem. (laughs) I do it all from home. You know, that's I know. I love that. I think that's (laughs) I was literally just saying that to my kids before. And I I was a stay-at-home mom for like 11 years where like, you know, I did other things, but yeah, yeah, I'm like, don't you think it's great that I figured out a way to do all this in our house? (laughs) Yeah. What did they say? I know. They're like, yeah, it's so cool. Aww. My daughter like comes home from school and sits and does her homework with my team at the dining room table. Like it's really cute. Uh, so, best. Anyway. That's the best. Yes. Uh, 
we all, we just all have to find ways to make it work. Right? Exactly. Yes. All right. Well, I hear your Twix in the background. Yeah, exactly. that might, might be, but, um, but thanks so much for chatting. I really, really enjoyed your book and like hearing all the yeah. extra layers and, uh, yeah, I hope we can connect. Cool. I would love that. Thank okay. you. Thank I appreciate you. it. Thanks so much. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.